massive apartment fire on Friday left 180 people homeless. We checked in with one of those residents who lost everything and had to sleep in a car. Well, you won't believe where his son had to sleep. The Manitoba Motorcycle Ride for Dad goes this weekend. The final push is on for the campaign. They're trying to raise $500,000. In sports over the weekend, the unlikeliest big story of them all was at the PGA Championship, but not because of who won the championship, but because of a guy who nobody ever would have expected to not only be there, but do as well as he did. And Greg had some adventures over the weekend at the cabin. He got roped into doing a big chore that took a lot longer than expected. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. This is the Tuesday, May 23rd podcast for The Start. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb on this Tuesday morning after the long weekend and spring Fully on display over the weekend. Yesterday, I noticed, well, a couple of days ago, the cherry blossoms came to life. Yesterday, I noticed the lilacs had started to come out, which means I could not resist sticking my nose in there <laughs> and then spending the rest of my walk home sneezing. Well, why not? I yeah. mean, it's absolutely gorgeous. And here we are 30 floors up and it's like winter never happened. The yeah. green canopy, that canopy we covet here in Winnipeg of elms and other trees Absolutely gorgeous from far above. I don't know if my grass has ever been greener without any attention from outside forces. <laughs> <laughs> it's really uh, That's the spectacular. Best it is the best part. And uh, <laughs> by hanging baskets that I rolled the dice on last weekend, Loren, have survived uh, very nicely. Thank you very much. So the watering routine begins in earnest. Uh, had one of the boys do it last night, but... I think I will take that over and I'll do my watering routine in the morning just to ease my way into the day. Hopefully it was a, a good weekend for you, although I know it was it was a busy one for you, McNabb. Yeah, we were all over the place. We went up to Clear Lake, probably the best Saturday of a May long I think I've ever had up at the lake in terms of just the temperature. Uh, everything was just lovely. We went for a couple of bike rides, moose living his best life, kids loving it. We spent uh, Sunday night in Brandon. That was fantastic with some friends. But just that busy kind of weekend where you try to decide on the long weekend, are you going to go out and do things or are you going to get things done? If you know the difference, like go out and do things in terms of having fun or get things done. And so I came back yesterday and thought I should have at least had my plants and seeds out and ready to go because I could have used yesterday just a few more hours yesterday to get some stuff done around the yard because mine does not sound as picturesque. As yours, although we'll get there. We'll Did you get, get there. down to the dock? I got down to the dock multiple times, and um, they don't have the docks in yet at the lake. It's like if you stood in that water for longer than a minute, I think you'd be hypothermic. It is oh, cold, wow. cold, cold, so people aren't in there quite yet. Quite frankly, a month from now, I might still be saying the thing. But yes, got down to the dock, got down there with coffee. Moose went in. Moose oh. went in like 19 times. <laughs> like He went in so many times, like he'd jump in, come racing out, like, whoa, it's cold. And then he'd look at it and go, probably not still cold, eh? Like, I'd probably go in now, runs back in, <laughs> runs back out, looks at us again, runs back in. You're like, buddy, it's not going to get any better. But he went multiple times. It was a great weekend. How about you, Brett? Golfing? Yep. Golfed on Saturday at La Brokery, uh, which is a lovely course. And then golfed Sunday at my home course at Kingswood. Had a great time. And uh, and I speaking of golf, uh, what a difference a year makes because I noticed uh, on Instagram, Minidosa posted a year-by-year comparison to last year, where at this time last year, they, half their course was underwater. Uh, four, right. At least four holes in their front nine alone were underwater, totally right. underwater. People were, you could ride a kayak. Like there's a video of somebody on a kayak at the first tee hmm. in Minidosa, and then fast forward to... May of 2023, and the holes that were underwater last year are apparently in some of the best shape that they've got so far. It's perfectly emerald green. Uh, so that's great because a lot of a lot of golf courses, just as one aspect of businesses that were hit so hard by last year's flooding, a lot of golf courses got hammered last year. So it's good to see more of a normal situation. So. Yeah, it is uh, nice to see. And the and cottage country was as busy as ever. Our 
Our colleague Sarah McCarthy came home from her hometown last night. She hit rush hour at Falcon Lake. She told me this Uh-oh. morning, five o'clock. She said bumper to bumper to bumper traffic. She said she'd never seen anything like it. So she will alter her coming back to Winnipeg plans <laughs> on long weekends henceforth. And uh, we were up on the east side of Lake Winnipeg. We missed the incredible Aurora Borealis somehow on Friday night. We drove up fairly late on Friday night and woke up the next morning and all over social media were these incredible Northern light shows that we somehow missed. That's okay. Glad everybody and, and lots of people did get to see it, but was up and about uh, in the East beaches area there. And uh, it was as busy as ever. So what a wonderful weekend all around. Yep. And actually, now that I think of it, you talk about your dog, Loren. I got to, I, I of course love dogs, don't have a dog, but I got to see one of our old friends, uh, Tucker, you might remember me talking about Tucker. Of course. Yeah. Yes. Or an unofficial mascot. Yeah, that's right. One of our colleagues, Di, uh, at the, in the early days of the pandemic when almost everybody went home and the rest of us who were here were all, you know, isolated in individual rooms. She brought in her little dog, Tucker. And uh, so I, I was sitting at home after golf on Saturday and I get a text from some people who were over at the beer can. They're like, hey, we're at the beer can. Come on over. And I'm like across the river. So... I didn't really have an excuse to say they no. They probably see you on the balcony. Like, <laughs> yeah. You're like, no, I'm not home. Yeah. <laughs> you need to install a zip line yeah. from your balcony <laughs> we'll down to, to the beer can. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but then I went over to the beer can and uh, and I, I sit down and then I look over the table and I say, is that a dog? And then they said, yeah, it's Tucker. And then, of course, I lost my mind and went and sat and rolled around in the wood chips with Tucker. So that was fun. But, Greg, you had, what's this about a zip line? You installed a zip line over the weekend? Yes. Why not? What, I mean, <laughs> what else do you do when you go to the why lake? <laughs> you you uh, install a zip line. And, of course, that was just going to be, you know, 90 minutes, a couple hours maximum to install this thing. No, it was like two, three-hour <laughs> extravaganzas to get this 90 foot zip line put up in, in our friend's backyard. The kids absolutely loved it, but it went, I won't say it went sideways, but it certainly did not go the way the instructions promise the pictures on the box promise. This is something that anybody can do in just a couple hours and your kids will be zipping from tree to tree. Yeah, no, (laughs) that's, that's not how it went. So, yeah, I think we're going to talk a little bit more about that this morning. And another surefire sign, Loren, that spring is well in motion and summer's on the way is road work. And we've got a big situation today. Yeah, it's, you know, one of those things where I know we complain about what ways we need to improve our roads and all the different things that need to be done to make them smoother. And then construction season hits and they're like, right, going to have to bite my tongue here because this is going to be annoying for the next few months. And if you're someone who comes in from east of Winnipeg, if you live in Lorette, for example, you're going to find this spring into the summer maybe a bit frustrating for you as well. That's because Deacon's Corner, um, starting this morning at 9 a.m., this is at 207 and the Trans Canada, but it's often referred to as Deacon's Corner, that there's going to be a temporary traffic signal shutdown in effect. And so it's going to be controlled by a flagpole. And then once the shutdown is complete, signage will continue to be in place for all directions until the fall because they are working to basically rehabilitate that entire intersection. They're even suggesting that maybe if you live in Lorette, for example, you should use a completely alternate route like Highway 405. So if you're in that area, you probably know this is going down, Greg, but that's going to be one of those headaches of the summer because this project, the province says, will go until October of this year. Critical intersection, critical part of uh, inter- infrastructures you head into the city of Winnipeg, as you mentioned, from the east on the Trans-Canada Highway. Now, they've been rebuilding these uh, lanes on both sides, east and westbound, east of Deacon's Corner for at least the past summer, last summer, summer of 2022. So this isn't brand new to have construction in this area, but the fact that they're now rebuilding the entire in intersection is, uh, you know, even ca- causing Manitoba Trucking Association and, and others to suggest, hey, if you can take an alternate route and avoid this altogether, that tells you just how big of a project this is, Brett, and also the impact that's imagined if uh, people were to just sort of treat it as business as usual through there. 
Yeah, with like the construction, we we mentioned you heard Justine mention situations on Stafford, and I noticed I hadn't been uh, over the Saint Vital Bridge since they started construction about a few weeks ago. So I kind of I went over it Saturday morning on my way out to the brokery uh, to go golfing, and I looked to my right like, oh. It's gone. Yeah, they're completely <laughs> rebuilding those bridges. <laughs> so, uh, but I know that that's that is a headache for people sure. who live in that particular area. Now that's down to the bottleneck situation. But yeah, it doesn't. There, there was one day where I, I can't remember where I was going now, but normally it's a thirty-minute drive, and it took me almost an hour because it seemed no matter which way I went, I, I got caught in construction. And I'm not complaining. I mean, it's part of life in this community. But this one, this Deacon's Corner. That's, I imagine that's going to be a source of much consternation, Lorette. Thousands of people use uh, that route in from Winnipeg every day, not to mention just the fact that it's a thoroughfare east-west as trucks try to work their way in and around Winnipeg to move goods. So, of course, that will be a headache. And then, you know, I noticed uh, Portage Interchange is on its 1900th year of construction west of Portage. So they're continuing <laughs> to work there to get that done. Highway 10 finally up to Clear Lake. That's been a actually a kind of embarrassment, I would say, from, you know, uh, basically just north of Minnedosa all the way to Clear Lake is getting some repaving it's the road to our one and only national park and it's been brutal for years now so they're finally repaving it but of course that meant you got stopped and you had to wait for your guide truck to move you in because it's down to one lane in some parts and so you try not to complain greg because you know it's so badly needed and uh, there is there is a ton of road work being done in the province this summer so you know as long as it's done in a timely fashion i'm going to try to be patient with it yeah we can't have it both ways if we want these things fixed, we have to put up with the with the pain in the backside that goes along with it. Two two steps back for three steps forward, perhaps. And yeah, it's funny you mentioned that portage interchange because it feels like it's been in disrepair for two decades. Like since I started going to Minnedosa on the regular when my dad moved there, probably. 35 years ago, it felt as though that interchange uh, was in bad need, uh, badly needed repairs and and, and re-engineering because if it was raining, the, the angle and the and the curvature and everything of that overpass was always a little bit uneasy. The one on the west side is the, I think the one that is is under construction right now or they're dem- demolishing i'm not even sure what's going on exactly but they're I rebuilding. it looks like they're rebuilding the whole thing and then they put a roundabout there west of winnipeg in the west of portage sorry in the meantime because that overpass isn't yes. there but it's like the joke in our house that it'll be on our tombstone never got to see the portage well, overpass complete <laughs> before i died well they usually put up those it hasn't signs. been that long it just feels like it's been no that but they, they, they put up the sign typically right you know this project uh this is how much it's going to cost and supported by this level of government that level of government and then they give the date of when it'll go and, and i feel like the end date is isn't even there it's just in perpetuity is is the plan to be fixing that uh, part of the Trans-Canada Highway. I- I'm actually trying to look this up right now. So if you're someone who lives in that part of the province listening this morning, 780-6868, what is the timeline for that? I, you're right. There is no sign saying this will go until October 2023. I think it's just this will go until fill in the blank. No the one knows. end of time. It ha- I think it's only, um, actually, I'm not even going to guess how long it's been. Someone else tell me, 780-6868. You know the answer out there. I know you do. And, of course, we also have to look forward to the twinning of Highway 1 between Falcon Lake and the Ontario border. But uh, I know they're going to do some studying on that before they get going, but it's going to take a while. Uh, so, that that'll, again, that's a much-needed project. So lots of much-needed projects, but some short-term pain, hopefully long-term gain. Feel free to weigh in at 204-780-6868. It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. What's a chore that you took on that ended up taking way longer than you anticipated? Inspired by the adventures experienced by the belated birthday boy, Greg Mackling. Happy belated, Greg's birthday <laughs> you, yesterday. Friend. Yep. So what'd you get up to this weekend at the lake? Well, uh, my friend Steve uh, decided that uh, this would be the weekend that we should hang a 90-foot zipline for, uh, for the kids. And so I was more than happy to oblige that uh, that project. So we dug things out of the box, and of course the 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 glossy the glossy instructions, complete with illustrations, made things look very simple. All you do is you take this 
steel line and you wrap it around one tree and you connect it with six or seven bolts and then you wrap it around the other tree at a certain height and tighten it with three or four more bolts and then use this sort of crank thing and and tighten tensioner the line and Way you go. You'll be ready to go in, in, you know, 90 minutes or so. Yeah, not so much. We ended up having to jerry-rig uh, a couple of different ratchet straps in order to get the tension to the point where the kids were not touching the ground like uh, a third of the way down the line. Like, I can't imagine anybody taking on this project without any extra tools and any extra, like just even a tiny bit of engineering know-how. What should have taken maybe 90 minutes ended up taking about six hours, all told. Oh. And I broke the ladder that was intended for to be the platform for the zip line. I took one step on this ladder, and it collapsed underneath me. So <laughs> it could have been a lot worse than it turned out. Jeez. But, but it, is, worked, it worked in the end. It's working? It's working. Okay. Is it? Is it? Can you go down the line, or is it oh, just for come the kids? On, Brett. I don't Absolutely know. not. Well, no, 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 no. There is a weight restriction. <laughs> okay, fair. Uh, well, six hours. Okay, good for you for for giving up that time to help out a friend and the kids. So, what's a chore that you took on that took way too long? 204-780-6868 for a chance to win some passes for Flatlanders Beer Festival, which is happening June 2nd and 3rd. And why don't we start with filling in for Cameron Poitras, Mr. Kelly Moore. Well, I would like to say that I had the same success as uh, Mr. Mackling, but uh, years and years ago, uh, when we uh, moved back to Kamloops uh, after our first go-round in Winnipeg, I had to replace a drain in the shower of uh, the downstairs basement uh, uh, bathroom. Uh, it should be an easy job, maybe, for to- Tim Tooltime Taylor. Uh, I completely not only ruined the drain, but also the base. We had to call in a plumber. <laughs> it did not take only six hours because uh, plumbers were fully booked. We weren't able to use that downstairs uh, shower probably for about, uh, oh, I don't know, two or three weeks. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Well, good yeah. for you for trying. Is it? Do you regret? Do you regret going down there? Yes. Yeah. My, <laughs> wife, has ne- my wife has never asked me to fix anything since. That's oh. how you do it, though, right? That's you just I, try yeah. and then fail once, and it's over. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And and make sure that the fail is epic, so that they don't. They're not even tempted to ask you to fix anything again. <laughs> yeah, I have some buddies. Uh, they had a situation with their basement shower or bath or whatever, where they. Uh, they tried to do some home repair and found out that the the part that they need doesn't even apparently exist. They just need some sort of connector for the base. I don't really remember how, but I don't know if they ever got it fixed. So yeah, that was a source, a major source of uh, of problems and consternation for them, trying to get that dealt with. What about you, Loren McNabb? I was just wondering if anyone working on the Portage Overpass west of Portage called in for this segment of a chore that took too long because. <laughs> <laughs> It seems to tie in. Mine's not really a chore related. It's just, it's, it's password related in that it, peak COVID, we got a gift from my sister, which was super generous of a virtual, like a VR thinger. What do you call it? Console, which you need a, uh, pass, a fa- so you had to go on through Facebook. You could hook up to it, but to log in, you needed to know your password for your Facebook account, which then sent it to your email connected to your Facebook account, which oh, I no. set up in like 2000. What, seven? Like, I don't even know. It was a Hotmail account. So then we had to go down a road of figuring out the Hotmail account. The password then got sent to. Then the password turned out to be wrong. So they got resent back to the account. You needed to verify an account, which was like an old Yahoo account. That didn't work. Anyway, we, ne- we never set it up past the one free game. And then sure enough, someone comes and visits us a month later. What do you mean you don't have this set up? And all these kids want to try it? And we went down that hole again. And I'm ashamed to say that we have never added one single game to that one machine because I cannot get past the 1992 Hotmail password system. I've tried for hours, like hours, and I'm just giving up. There has to be another way. I don't know, Brett. So that's yeah, my Why tour. do you have to go through Facebook to log in? I don't think thing. you do. I don't think you do. I just can't get past it. And I get really, you know how it's the same way where, I think I said this at work the other day, Kelly's going to hate hearing this. I've learned a lot of new things at this job and lots of different applications and different software programs that we have to know <laughs> in order to do one. But I, I will, I will not learn how to get into my schedule 
anywhere oh account. Gosh. <laughs> which Kelly used to be to responsible for. And I knew, I know you don't. And I said to someone the other day, oh, when's so-and-so on again? They're like, oh, look it up. And I was like, you look it up. And then, <laughs> that's where I'm at. There's just some things where it is a chore, like just trying to get crack that code and remember the password is a chore and i just i'm sweating just thinking about it so that's i don't know brett i'm sure you don't and i'm just an idiot but i've given up long ago sarah mccarthy what about you uh, well, I was going to say, as Macklin told you earlier, driving back from Dryden was a chore, absolutely, around Falcon Lake. It was packed. Um, but also, setting up my coffee table was a chore that I spread out over two days because, <laughs> first of all, it was so incredibly heavy. It was one of those items that um, I would normally, like, just pay someone to put together, but they were like, oh, like, this item's so easy, like, you'll be good. It just, it's an Allen wrench situation. Like, that's it. And I'm like, well, first of all, I have to get this up to my place, and then it was just so heavy, and I don't know. I'm not a good instruction follower, so there's that, and it just took way longer than it should have, and way longer than they told me, but they don't know me very well either, so... There's that. But, but you got it done? I did get it done. It hasn't fallen apart. So. Excellent. <laughs> Yay. There you go. The sign of success. It has not fallen yeah. apart. Forte, what about you? I'm in the same boat with Sarah. A couple of weeks ago, I bought new patio furniture. Uh, it's not Ikea, but you have to put everything together with an Allen wrench. And so once you finally get it all done, I'm thinking I'm finishing up here. And uh, there's one piece on the love seat that I have. And it doesn't fit. So then I had to undo the love seat. I had to switch the part with one of the single seats. Because I want the love seat to work. I want to use the love seat the most. And uh, yeah, so then it just it took me like two hours longer. Because I had to switch pieces around to make everything fit properly. Yes. So is it now a hate seat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can call it that for sure. <laughs> So here's what we need from you at 204-780-6868. We need you to tell us about a time you took on a chore and it turned out to take too long. Uh, like I remember when I was moving back in 2019 because I didn't want to overwhelm my friends on moving day and I wanted to make sure that we were in and out as quickly as possible. I got was able to get access to my apartment a couple of days early. So on Friday evening, I figured oh, I'll just move out all my totes and boxes myself. Should be one or two carloads. No, it was four carloads. I did it all by myself. It took me, I think, five, six hours. And uh, But then on moving day, we were in and out of the apartment in like 15 minutes. Needed to get my bed, my dresser, night table, a couple of other odds and ends, and then we were gone. So that made things life, or that made life easier. But I should, I wish I had reevaluated that situation. We need, we all need more friends like you, Brett McGarry. Dozens of Winnipeggers are looking for a new place to live following an apartment fire in West St. James. Yesterday was no holiday for the 180 people who lost their homes and belongings Friday night, Brett. The reality of a life-altering experience has to be hitting those folks today. One of those Winnipeggers, Loren, dealing with this disaster is joining us now. We say good morning to Randy Sear. Randy, uh, it's a simple but loaded question. How are you doing today? Uh, we are uh, okay. Uh, my spirits have uh, devolved somewhat from the uh, actual incidents, um, uh, but we are uh, we are okay and uh, uh, looking forward to the uh, journey ahead being as easy as possible. Hmm. Well, Greg had mentioned, Randy, that you were celebrating your birthday with your son, uh, having supper when the fire broke out. Can you can you explain what what happened from your perspective where you were sitting? Sure. We were uh, in my apartment. Uh, our food delivery service had dropped off our food maybe 15 or 20 minutes before. We were a quarter of our way through our meal. The fire alarm went off. Our, our pets uh, both behave funny when the fire alarm uh, uh, goes off. Um, but it has gone off frequently in the past. And, you know, like, like apartment buildings, they have uh, itchy systems. We didn't think much of it until I looked out the window and I saw people looking at our building and I thought, this seems fairly serious. I poked my head out of our patio, looked down the length of the building, and saw about three-quarters of the way down our building that uh, one of the patios was on fire, and it wasn't a small fire. So I poked my head back into the apartment. I told my child that uh, it looks like we made better think about getting out of there because it was far more serious than um, we thought. 
by the time we got our shoes on and had our pets gathered up, I opened the door in the hallway to see how bad it was, and it was full of smoke, like something out of a movie, uh, very worrying, uh, worrying and alarming. Um, I turned to my son and said, we have to go now. He picked up his cat. I grabbed the dog by the scruff of the neck. Uh, we went into the hallway, took a big deep of breath. My son panicked a little bit and actually took a breath of the smoke. Uh, but we found the door quick enough, ran downstairs, and within two minutes of running downstairs, the entire roof of the facility was engulfed, and uh, myself and all my neighbors um, watched our lives burn to the ground. Where did you Where did you spend the weekend, Randy? Uh, on um, Friday night, uh, my brother was nice enough to uh, come out and uh, get us. Um, uh, so I slept in his, he doesn't, his, he has, he lives in an apartment where uh, pets aren't allowed. So, and I'm, I refuse to leave my dog alone. Plus she was pretty traumatized from the incident. Uh, so I slept in my brother's car outside of his apartment with my dog and my, uh, son's friend was uh, very kind and they put him up in a little shed that they have in their backyard. Um, and he slept there with his cat. Um, the next day I, f- I got in contact with, uh, the red cross and they have been fantastic, and they were good enough to put us up in a hotel uh, downtown Winnipeg. I'm sitting in their lobby right now, uh, but we have to check out in a uh, little more than four hours, and after that, we are on our own. Unfortunately, I was uh, not on insured, and it was a, a calculated gamble on my part, and I am certainly paying the consequences for that. So, yeah, we um, today's going to be a very big and revealing uh, day. I'm hoping to secure uh, a roof over our head literally today, if possible. If not, uh, we're going to be seeking out another hotel for the next couple of days. This is rough, Randy. Randy, it's uh, it's Greg Mackling here. And uh, man, uh, Randy's, uh, <laughs> we grew up together in the West End. And this, this is rough to hear you're going through this, brother. I, I'm so sorry to see this, but the community is really a rallying around you here. To, to try and help out best that they can. There's been a GoFundMe page established here. Help Randy replace his stuff if you want to search that out. If you're a, an Isaac Brock grad or anybody who grew up in the Wolseley or the West End area, you, you remember Randy, what a good guy he's been through his life. And so uh, seek that out. Uh, what's it meant to, to see the community rallying uh, this way, Randy? It, 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 it's overwhelming from where I sit. Yeah, heartwarming, uplifting. It is one of the few encouraging things out of a disastrous situation for uh, my child and I. Uh, My buddy sending up that GoFundMe page was fantastic. All these people, uh, whether I talk to them regularly or not, Facebook actual friends or Facebook uh, acquaintances uh, have been great in uh, spreading the news, sharing that news. Uh, and making people aware there are restaurants. I believe that Dreamland Diner is participating. Um, and there is, if I'm not mistaken, a woman who lives in one of the other buildings of our, our former complex who is accepting donations there on site as well, a woman named uh, Diana Hildebrand. You, you're right. The city, the community, everybody has really come together uh, strong. It is making... Uh, what is the worst night of our lives? Um, somewhat tolerable. So, what's next? You mentioned that you're, you know, you're on your own, starting at basically. I'm guessing checkout is eleven o'clock or or noon. Have you got any prospects for for a new place, Randy? Uh, I have. Unfortunately, this happening on the long weekend, as you can imagine, um, nothing was available to contact. Um, so that is going to be determined today. I have been doing um, searches online on my phone, one of the few things to escape the fire. Uh, I have a list of places to hit, and uh, come 8, 9 a.m., that is my plan. I'm going to find another hotel for my son and my pets and I, and then spend the day using my brother's car, was kind enough to lend it to me, uh, trying to secure more permanent accommodations for us going forward. Randy, I just want to say, I, I can't speak for everyone here, but you talked about the calculated risk of not having tenants insurance. I was a renter for 15, 16, 17 years, and I don't, I think maybe one of those years I got it. It's a, it's a risk maybe too many of us take. And so I, I, I feel for you because I would have been in that same boat had this had happened in one of my complexes. And so I'm just curious before we let you go, how are you talking to your son through all this? How old is he? And what do you, what kind of conversations are you guys having? 
Oh, honestly, I, I say my son, but he's a big boy. He, he's a grown <laughs> man, and, and he's handling it better than I am. His uh, youthful resiliency is something I wish I still had. Like I said, on day one, I was taking it on the chin, trying to mm-hmm. sound like a champ for the world. But as reality sets in and the um, severity uh, and pressure, I think, of the upcoming situation, I'm just finding a little daunting, that's all. But I'm usually a pretty optimistic and resourceful guy. Uh, I have no doubt we'll get the feet under us and uh, fairly quickly. Like I said in that interview, there are people in this world who have it way worse than us. We're alive. We're in good health. I'm employed. And uh, the pets are good. They're, they're, there's a lot worse things that could have happened to us. Randy, uh, Godspeed, my friend. And uh, I'm sure that, that things will work out just fine. But keep in touch, okay? And if there's anything that, that I can do, that we can do here at CGOB, please, please, please do not hesitate to ask. I, I know it's tough to and difficult to ask for help in times like this, but please don't hesitate to reach out, okay? I won't. We're, we're going to need it. And I really thank you guys for raising awareness to everybody in my building's uh, current situation. Randy Sear joining us live on 680 CGOB, one of those affected by the fires on that apartment complex on Quail Ridge Road over the weekend. It is time for Breakfast with the Bombers, brought to you by cooperators investing in your future together. Winnipeg Blue Bombers training camp continues today at IG Field, and the first of two preseason games goes this Saturday afternoon, play-by-play at 3 o'clock from Edmonton. Our coverage gets underway at 1 o'clock with DT and company on your radio home of the 12-time Grey Cup champion Winnipeg Blue Bombers, 680 CJOB. And we have something special for you this morning on Breakfast with the Bombers. Frequent contributor and guest on this segment over the years, Blue Bomber defensive tackle Jake Thomas and his wife welcomed their second child to the world May 9th, Loren. That's just two weeks ago, two weeks ago today. So, Avria, Catherine, Andrea, Thomas made the Thomases for a family of four. And, of course, we had to ask the question, how did things go? A lot more calming than the first one. Uh, this one was a scheduled C-section, so we at least uh, had a time and a date and knew what was going to happen. It was more just kind of waiting it out to happen, but everything went well. My wife's doing well, my uh, my new daughter Avery's doing well, and my, my two-year-old son Emmett is getting adjusted, we'll say. <laughs> What's the waiting process like? Because I, I presume it could come at any time before the, the yeah. scheduled date. Yeah, so it was very much let's hope we don't have to go into the hospital early. But we did it at 39 weeks, so we hoped that uh, we could bypass uh, an early one. But that would have that would made for some interesting time. But I might have been at training camp earlier, so there could have been an underlying positive. Are you the go-bag type? I've got everything planned down to the second. If the second it happens, I'm ready to go, or are you free-flowing? I would say my wife is the uh, very much had everything ready early. I normally am, but uh, I didn't really have much to bring, just toothbrush and, you know, a couple changes of clothes. So it was good, but we definitely had uh, we had all, all of the important bags packed and ready to go probably a few days early just in case. Okay. Did you know you were having a girl? We did not find out for either. Everyone we asked kept saying, daughter, right until the end. They kept thinking maybe it was changing. But, uh, you know, it's a super cool feeling because you never know what you're going to have uh, right at that last second. You know, in this, in, the, in this day of age, there's not too many surprises, so it's nice to keep a few. Well said, Jake. Yeah, D- Derek Taylor spoke with Thomas at training camp yesterday, and, and he wanted to know why it was so important for Jake to be home for this big day. At this point in my career, my wife has sacrificed so much for me, and, you know, it was a no-brainer for myself to be there. But uh, it was definitely definitely means a lot uh, that this organization cares that much about family and understands as much as football, you know, means everything, there there is, a, there is an outside of football. They did a really good job of letting me balance that, and, you know, my wife, uh, she's a rock star. She, was, she allowed me to leave fairly early. She still can't drive. I'm very thankful to my in-laws and my parents for kind of picking up the slack when I'm not there. Is it hard to be away? Yeah, it's definitely not easy. I'd say the one nice thing with training camp is you're so busy that doesn't give you uh, time to really think about it too much. I'm still kind of on New Brunswick time, so I keep waking up every time, of, every day at 5, so I kind of get my face time in there, you know, 5 to you know, 6 or 5 to 5.45 in that range. Your daughter, does she, does she look like a football player? Do you feel like she might have football in her? Let's hope to God not. <laughs> 
we'll say uh, maybe a Olympian javelin thrower or volleyball player, something like that, maybe. Now, uh, Jake is joking there, but it sounds like there are a few reasons to imagine Avery Thomas might be someone to watch with regard to athletics somewhere down the line. We have pretty good genes on my side, but my wife's family tree is quite good. My wife is a university volleyball player. Her uncle was a fairly high draft pick to the NHL. Her other uncle is a pretty high-end baseball player. Her dad was an all-Canadian volleyball player. So I definitely, I definitely married up. You're a pro athlete. If you were intimidated by that side of it, I could, I could totally believe it. Yeah, no, That's it's impressive. good. Yeah, it's good. So uh, hopefully, hopefully a good balance. Hey, by the way, don't forget that Taste of the Blue Bombers goes this Thursday. Sip, stroll, sample, and socialize with Blue Bombers players, coaches, and legends at the inaugural Taste of the Blue Bombers event. Local restaurants will compete to prepare the best game day fair. Fans in attendance will have the opportunity to vote on their favorite dish, presentation, taste, theme, and enjoy a festive night at IG Field featuring delicious food from local restaurants, beverages, and music. Guests will be able to enjoy small plates at each stop along their journey around the concourse, Loren. Okay, so again, this is Taste of the Blue Bombers. That's Thursday, this Thursday, May 25th. It's all taking place at IG Field. Runs from 6.30 to 9.30, and you can get this night out for $105, or if you're a season ticket holder, the price drops to 85 bucks. So just go to bluebombers.com, and that's where you can find your tickets. Sounds like a super fun event. You're going to this thing, aren't you, Mackling? I am going to go to this. Uh, Wade Miller joined us uh, last Monday morning when we broadcast live from IG Field, and he made the assimilation to something called Taste of Manitoba that used to take place in Memorial Park back in the day. 50 or so of Winnipeg's top restaurants, most popular restaurants, would have booths and you would buy tickets and then you'd go around and they'd have two or three or four dishes available for you to taste, just a sampler size of of different dishes. You'd give uh, the, you know, sort of like at the X, uh, the number of, of tickets for the dish could vary from two to three or four tickets, depending on what it was. And uh, you stroll around Memorial Park and and taste Manitoba's finest restaurants. Really, really cool idea. And this is this is uh, extraordinary as well. Very cool. Again, taste of the Blue Bombers this Thursday, May 25th at IG Field, 6.30 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. But right now we want to talk about sports because there are some interesting things happening on the ice with a former Winnipeg Jets coach. There's some, depending how you want to look at it, Maybe not so interesting things happening on the basketball court, especially considering a conversation the three of us had last Monday at IG Field. Um, But first, we want to talk about golf. Mr. Mackling, the PGA Championship, one of the big majors of the year, was over the weekend in Rochester. And it was won by Brooks Kepka, who is now on the Live Tour. So that, but. That wasn't really the big story of the weekend. No, the, the the star of the show really became an individual had to work through the back channel, so to speak. He's a club pro to get into the PGA Championship. There are several spots available for qualifiers. And uh, this individual uh, captured the imagination, not only of golf fans, uh, golf professionals, club professionals across the United States, but I really think, Brett, Based on what I saw on social media, other golfers seem to really be captivated by his story. Yes, indeed. It's just such a Cinderella underdog story. Loren, uh, you know, going out of your way to watch pro golf, probably not on your at the top of your priority list, but did you see any of this through the weekend? I just saw the highlights, actually, and I actually ter- only turned to look um, because of someone tweeting out that that was the only story they were going to follow, right? The Michael Block story, um, the fact that he's a 46-year-old, works full-time as a golf instructor, and he nailed this hole in one that I had. Was it Rory he was paired with? I even had him in awe and uh, sort of was like straight out of a movie and now this Michael has been his wife he joked around saying his wife says I need to start charging more for lessons because <laughs> you know he didn't finish first but he finished with a share of the 15th place which is incredible so he gets to come back for next year's event he still got you know just shy of $300,000 in prize money and yeah now he's the guy that's known as hitting a hole in one and I think his wife might be right if you're a guy who gives instructions and can say you hit a hole in one uh, at a major you do need to start ramping up the cost of those lessons, I think. Well, here's what that hole-in-one sounded like on the 15th hole in the final round on Sunday. Seconds ago at the 15th. The 
fairy tale story. Gets better. <laughs> you can hear him sing, did that go in? He was humble through the entire thing, was Michael Block. He was blown away. I saw the interview with him when he was told that he was going to be golfing with Rory on Sunday. Yeah. Or I guess he was paired with Rory on yeah. Sunday, right? For the last yeah. round. And so not only was the hole in one a critical part of his score, also came down to quite the shot on 18, right, Brett? Like he was in some serious trouble and he needed. He needed to get, as they say, up and down. You need to yeah. par the 18 in order to secure a share of 15th place and and all that came with it. That's right. Uh, so if he, he for the top 15 automatically qualify for next year's PGA Championship, which is at Valhalla in Kentucky. But in order to do that, he had to get, as you pointed out, Greg, up and down. So he wasn't on the green. He was off to the side and he was below the green on a hill. And apparently the the rough, the thicker grass on this particular golf course was like nightmarishly bad, like thick. It just slows your club down, tough to get through. So he had to get the ball on the green and then sink a putt, uh, provided he didn't drain the, the shot that he hit from off the green. But he, he popped this thing up and it didn't look like it was going to go. I thought, oh, no, it's going to land in the short grass right beside. But no, he got it on. It popped. It bounced onto the green to within about five, six feet, so that's striking distance, but he still had to sink the putt. Sure, all to, sorts of pressure. To get that 15th place, and not, and he hits the putt, and it looked like, oh, it's not going to go, it's not going to go, and then it got to the lip of the hole and then decided, all right, and it rolled in, and he sort of bent down, you could tell, overwhelmed with emotion, so he got invited, so he gets to go back to the PGA next year. He got invited to the event happening this weekend at the Colonial, the Charles Schwab, I think is what it's called. And then the the Canadian Open, the RBC Canadian Open saw what was going on and they said, uh, where did I put that? They tweeted out, we could hear the roar from across Lake Ontario. (laughs) Please join us at the Canadian Open in June. Fantastic. So so, So now he has three trips, like three major, or not three majors, but three big PGA events that he wouldn't have normally been a part of right because of what happened this weekend that's right Schwab and the and uh the other thing that I think was really incredible about this is that we just last week you mentioned we were talking NBA last week but we also last week just said these are the kind of stories that get you into a sport like you might not care and then you hear the background of a guy like this you know working full-time as a pro and then having that weekend that he did you might be you might spend the rest of your year watching this guy hoping he does well well and we talk we spend so much time over the last 20 years plus about the impact tiger woods and and other high profile pros have had on the marketing and the popularity of the game of golf but i think a guy like michael block not going to have the same impact but could have a huge impact in a different way based on the fact that here's a guy plugging along 46 years old Chip, chip, chipping away. And I mean that figuratively yes. versus on the golf course, chip, chip, chipping away at his craft and then gets this big break and takes advantage of it. And Brett, for somebody like you who golfs as often as you do, this has to have also a little bit of inspiration there with regard to golf being that one game that I think most of us who play think, oh, yeah, well, if he can be really bad. It's okay for me to be really bad. However, this might give you a little bit of inspiration to say, yeah, you know what? I got to keep with it. It was really cool to watch. It's a great story, and hopefully it continues to do well. And by the way, apparently Netflix was there, the people behind oh, the Full good. Swing documentary. Come on. So they just they just had a great story fall happened in their lap. Happened upon oh. this. So they're, they're, they said they were all over it this no weekend. Doubt. So that'll be likely a feature episode when season that. two comes out. That's this hole-in-one is freaky when you watch it again because you see them before where they stick on the green and roll in for the hole-in-one. I don't know how often you actually just have it he just jarred go it. Go in the hole. Like, it just sucked. Like, it was sucked into the vortex. Like, well, it's going the, in. Half the time when you do that, it, it bounces right back right? out. That's just crazy. The, the odds of it going in just like that, I and think, staying have to be in. astronomical. My goodness. Yeah. yeah, just an incredible feat. It was a wonderful Jarred story. And again, he just out, completely outshined Brooks Kepka, who made this huge comeback to win his fifth major after he thought he was basically done with golf. So... Uh, he's probably a little upset that he didn't get quite the spotlight he was hoping for, but I'm sure his large paycheck will 
He can wipe his tears with his millions of dollars. <laughs> He'll be okay. Watch Full Swing. He, he lives large. <laughs> It's one of the coolest things to happen in Winnipeg every year. It's become my official summer kickoff event. It's an event that has raised millions of dollars for the fight against prostate cancer. And it's back this Saturday. It's the Manitoba Motorcycle Ride for Dad. It starts Saturday morning at Polo Park. Ed Johnner is the man leading the charge. And he joins us live in studio. Ed, hello there. Welcome back. Hey, guys. Nice to be here. Okay, so I understand. I mean, you, first of all, you're busier than, like, Dwayne The Rock Johnson on a, on a press tour promoting a movie right now. You have been all over the media. You just got off with Peggy at 99.1, like, 90 seconds ago. You're going on with power after us. But you last night you were busy in a way that I never even would have thought of. What were you doing yesterday? We were, we were stuffing the riders' bags. Um, we get a, a lot of coupons, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, from sponsors, and we, of course, want to share that with the riders. So we put together rider bags so that when you come and register, um, you can grab a bag and and uh, and enjoy the contents. How many? Uh, we put together, I think, 1,700 yesterday. Oh, easy day. Easy, easy <laughs> holiday Monday, Ed. Come on, just a walk in the park. This is no walk in the park to put something like this together 15 years now. And we've been speaking to you pretty much since the get-go, Ed. And I remember our first conversation uh, at the beginning of this journey. So just talk about how it's grown and the impact. Not only has has this event had on the community, because Brett always talks about this as being one of the hallmarks of spring in our community, but the impact it's had on men's health. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, obviously it's a, it's a big thing for me. Uh, I was diagnosed with prostate and kidney cancer in 2007, um, both detected very early, which is critical. And uh, I've been cancer-free now for 17 years. But, uh, you know, the, the impact that it's had, uh, you know, on men in our province and in the country. I mean, it's it's estimated that 1.2 million Canadian men have prostate cancer and 80% of them don't know it. Uh, I was fortunate in that I was... Uh, having a pre-op physical for cataract surgery. And uh, my doctor decided to do a, a complete physical on me because I hadn't had one for about 18 months. And uh, my PSA was elevated. Um, subsequently, I had a, a biopsy done and it came back positive. So uh, I had no symptoms uh, whatsoever. And, it, and it's, you know, 90% of prostate cancer cases that are detected early are treated successfully. So it's critical that you establish that relationship with your doctor and have that annual PSA test. The PSA, sorry, Lorraine, I'm just going to jump in here. PSA test. People hear this, but a lot of us don't know what that is. What is it and how easy is it to be for your doctor to measure it as part of your annual physical? Yeah, it's prostate-specific antigen is what it stands for. Um, uh, I guess it's like an, an enzyme that your prostate produces, Um but uh, it's, uh, you know, critical that, that uh, you know, guys have this checked on a regular basis. Uh, everybody talks about the physical exam. Uh, and all the PSA test is just a simple blood test. That, that's all it is. Um, you know, the physical exam is, although it's uncomfortable, I, I guess it's a, you know, fact of life too. But uh, for me, the PSA is, is really what saved my life prostate specific specific antigen you know all these years we've been talking about this ed and i actually didn't even know myself what that stood for in the conversations we've had and i'm curious if you often hear things like that that from the men who will come up to you and tell you their stories and say you know i knew or i thought or i had it explained to me but i decided to just not do what i've been told to do is that a common tale yes i know i'm aware i just haven't got it checked well absolutely i I talk to guys all the time that say oh i'm i'm not going to get checked uh, I'm just not going to. I don't want to know. And believe me, you want to know. Uh, you want to catch it early if, if you're going to catch it at all. Uh, you know, uh, I, I can't emphasize that enough. I really can't. The event is on Saturday, May 27th. It starts at 10. So for uh, someone who's never been present when the Ride for Dad kicks off, what will be happening on Saturday? Well, uh, Saturday morning, we'll, we'll obviously have a number of speakers, but um, 
we'll uh, kickstands up at 10 o'clock and uh, the bikes will leave Earl's at Polo Park for a parade westbound on Portage Avenue. And I encourage people to come out. If you don't ride, come out and watch the parade. It's exciting. It's, it's uh, the largest, it's the largest ride of its kind in Canada. Uh, we're, we're extremely proud of that. And, uh, and a, a lot of work has, uh, gone into it. I, I, I can't thank our volunteers, our executive, uh, supporters, pledge givers enough. Now, this is something I agree. This is one of the great, uh, spectacles in our province. And you mentioned the fact that you've got these grab bags, these goodie bags, sponsors of all sorts are critical, but the Winnipeg police association, they've been a part of this since day one. How critical a part? Without without the Winnipeg Police Association, you know, without, you know, Mo Sabern and, and Kirk Van Alstein, uh, there would be no ride for Dad Manitoba. Uh, I get way too much credit uh, just being the voice of the ride. But uh, without those two guys, there would be no ride. And, and, uh, and the Winnipeg Police Association is just a huge driving force uh, behind it. All right, so let's get some final details done on how we can get get involved. Is it too late if somebody wants to participate in the ride? Is it too late? Absolutely not. I, I would encourage people to register online. Go to ridefordad.ca slash Manitoba. Uh, register if you're a rider. And, or, or, and, if, and if you're not, pledge a rider. Uh, I would encourage you to do that as well. Um, but I would also encourage people to come out. Uh, if you've registered online and you've got physical pledges, let's say, to drop off, uh, or you want to come down and, and uh, check in, uh, do it Thursday or Friday night. We'll be at Earl's Polo Park uh, from 4 to 8 p.m. Uh, come out and do it early. That way, Saturday morning, you can just enjoy the day. Yeah, just show up and, and get in line with yep. the rest of the, the bikes as opposed to dealing with it, it, it. It's a hectic, but it's a fun morning, and it's a great event. Are you still going to have the old police car leading the way? I sure hope so. Yeah, I've never heard it. Here's what it sounds like. So the old-timey siren goes off. There's usually a cannon blast. Yeah. And then the then the, the old cop car fires up, and that sort of, how does that go with you for the whole parade, or does it just kind of lead you for the first block? It leads us, uh, no, it leads us for the whole parade. Neat. Yeah, no, very cool. All right, Ed Johnner, Manitoba, Motorcycle Ride for Dad. The website is ridefordad.ca. Can't wait for Saturday. We'll see you then. Thanks, guys. Ed, before you go, we just have listener Doug asking the route for Saturday again, just in case, you know, if they can't participate, sometimes people like to watch it go by. Okay, well, the parade is westbound on Portage Avenue from Polo Park out to Assiniboia Downs. Right, okay. Yeah. Perfect. Ed Johnner joining us live on CJOB. It's a great event happening this Saturday, starting at Polo Park at 10. We are in the process of updating our question of the day at cjob.com, but just wanted to share Friday's results with the twinning of the Trans-Canada Highway from Falcon Lake to Ontario. What is the next twinning project that needs to be done? Highway 59 to the beaches, say half of you, 50%. 22% say Highway 8 to Gimli. 16% say Highway 6. And 12% say Highway 10 to Brandon. That one of the three, that's the one I am least familiar with i would imagine loren you're a bit more familiar with it yes no highway 10 to brandon they said i'm sorry there was 16 and then 10 i'm familiar with all of them and so then i started traveling all the roads in my mind and i got lost by the time we were (laughs) done if that's what you really want to know yeah like so highway 10 from uh, brandon north to minnedosa has had a ton of work done on it and it's tremendous now north of minnedosa to clear lake they're just paving it this year for the first time i feel like since i was born um so it needs the work terribly. And 16, actually, the Yellowhead from pretty much one all the way to Saskatchewan is a glorious drive now. So I'm, I'm spoiled in the areas that I travel most for having the riches of the highways there. Well, they instead of twinning it, uh, 10 between Minnedosa and Brandon and on 16, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, the, the, all, the what they've lanes. done is they've added the passing lanes at, at reasonable intervals, which which makes things uh, much more palatable because when you are a single lane divided each way and so mm-hmm. many turns, so many curves on that road, in particular as you're heading from Portage, uh, between Portage and Nepo in particular, and you've got that change of terrain, it, it's a little risky uh, even when you've got the double dotted line, Loren. So now to have those passing lanes in those areas, it, it makes it far more comfortable in terms of, of doing that passing. 
I think what needs to be done, and I'm sure they have it somewhere, it just feels like we don't necessarily always make decisions on this, is we wait for there to be too many collisions or fatal collisions, and then we say, yes, we need to make those safety improvements. So I can I can understand that argument, particularly in summer, from 59 to the beaches to be twinned. There's just additional traffic, I think, in the summer. Highway 6, we know, is getting some upgrades, but I think only to a few kilometres north of Winnipeg, and it's not going to be twinned. I think there'll be um, some of those, what do you call it, those those markers that when you hit them, it warns you that you've gone over your line. Oh, well, <sighs> the, the rumble strips <sighs> in, the, in the shoulder. <laughs> Sorry, that was just, again, I'm blanking. So they're doing some of that, but there'd be an argument there just given the sheer volume of traffic that goes. It's the, really the only highway, major highway north from Winnipeg that goes all the way as far north as it can. And so there's a ton of traffic and truck traffic on there. Highway 10 to Brandon. Yeah, they've done the passing lanes. I don't know about the south, the Highway 10 south as much to the international border. Some work, some work to the turnoff to Surris. Mm -hmm. I know because they built that bypass, that south bypass around Brandon uh, years ago to get to the Maple Leaf plant from, and then uh, they did the same thing, sort of connecting uh, the south, Highway 10 south and and Highway 1 east of Brandon to connect things to the to the Maple Leaf plant. So, uh, yeah, there there is uh, been some work done over the last uh, 15 years there for sure. We have updated our question of the day at cjob.com. Should apartment insurance be mandatory for all tenants? Yes or no? Cast your vote at cjob.com. It's been 10 years since our next guest first realized her kidneys were failing. So at the time, she had a full-time job and a part-time job on top of that, a busy life with husband and two kids, and they also com- curl competitively. So a lot was going on in this family when Karen found out she had high blood pressure that sent her to the ER and then eventually down that road of learning her kidney function was at 6%. And so we might all understand that dialysis can be the next step here. And then they learned about living kidney donations. So that's when her husband put up his hand to say he would donate a piece of himself to help out his wife. We welcome to the start, Karen Latham. Good morning, Karen. Good morning. And her husband, Rob. How's it going, Rob? Good, how are you? I'm good. Thank you both for taking the time to walk us through a bit of your journey. And, and there's never enough time for this these kinds of stories, Karen. But let's start with just when you learned your kidneys were in trouble. Did you have any sense of what was going on? I had no idea at all. Um, I very quickly learned that high blood pressure and kidney disease are very much hand in hand. Um, So when I had high blood pressure, I didn't really think too much of it until my doctor sent me to eMERGE. And it went from there. That was in uh, April 2013. So what's it like when you get sent to emergency? Uh, sometimes when you're forewarned or you have a sense that, that this could be related to something else, maybe go in there with a calmer sense of, of what you're up against. No idea, Karen, what, why he was sending you there? No idea. Uh, I was feeling really good. Um, like I said, just the high blood pressure reading sent me there. Feeling really good, no issues. It was, in fact, my birthday, and I was leaving for Vegas in three days. Um, so I thought it was just a routine. They would give me maybe some medication to lower the blood pressure. Um, but I went to the hospital and I was there for quite a few days. Rob, what was it like watching Karen go through this? Well, not pleasant because, yeah, like she mentioned, we didn't really have any idea uh, this could be a potential outcome. So we're just kind of hoping for the best. And we like Karen mentioned, we were on our way to Vegas, but that got kiboshed pretty quickly. And it was kind of a, kind of a scary, intense few days. So we talked about the idea that Karen had dialysis as, you know, can step in as a a life-sustaining treatment, but kidney transplantation, we've heard from doctors over the years, that's really the best overall treatment for kidney failure. So Rob, at what point did you learn about live kidney donation or did you know about it? And then you decided to put up your hand and say, okay, I'll give. Uh, Tell us about that decision and what you learned. Well, yeah, we were always told that uh, a a living kidney would always be the best option. And there's kind of two ways to get it. It's it's either, unfortunately, a deceased donor or the uh, living donor program. We didn't realize that was an option until uh, probably 2021, where 
this was presented to us, we had had some uh, family members that had looked at living donation as a possible match because we've been told that a family match would always be a a better option, but that ultimately didn't turn out to be an option for us. So when the, the living donor program was presented, I didn't hesitate. I just said, what do I need to do? And started the testing process, which unfortunately was at the tail end of COVID. So things were kind of delayed. So it took a little bit longer than what we had liked. But at the end of it all, we had a positive outcome. What was the feedback you got from friends and family, Rob, when you, you let people know that this is what you were doing? Was it, was there any hesitation and any, any people asking, why the heck are you doing that? No, not really. They were just very surprised that it was a possibility um, because it, that program is not uh, one more, unless you are faced with it, you don't know about these things. Um so until you you do the research and you're presented with with the options, then that's when you start to learn about things. And no, everybody thought it was. I got a, a few kudos because they said, "Congratulations for stepping up. Thank you for doing that." And no, nobody questioned why I was doing it. Was just thankful that I was able to do so. So Karen, I you know the, Rob wasn't a match for you, but he was a match for someone else. So how does that work? Because it's really about just putting your, is it really just about putting your name on the list? I think I was reading this morning, a thousand people in Canada have received a kidney through an exchange program like this. And so uh, he, he helped someone else and then you got someone else's kidney. Is that right? Yes. So I believe we just, Canada just celebrated their 1000 um, surgeries in this program. So when you've exhausted every person that wants to try to directly donate to me, like Rob said, family, friends came forward, and I'm forever grateful that they did that. But unfortunately, nobody was a match for me. Um, so collectively, Rob and I decide, okay, we'd like to go into this kidney pair donation program. And then you, uh, you both have to be cleared with a, a, a clean bill of health. Many, many tests go on over many months. Then you're both entered into a database nationwide. Um, then you hope for a match. Now, they look for matches three times a year. I believe it's February, June, and October. So February, we were actually in the the nationwide match, but unfortunately, neither of us uh, pulled a match. And you both have to have a match at the same time. So February, we didn't have any matches. And then come June, um, luckily, Rob had a match in Canada, and I had a match in Canada. So then that starts um, what they call a kidney chain. So so so-and-so can give to, or person A can give to B, B can give to C, C can give to D, and then eventually it comes full circle to me. So we don't know how many people were involved in our chain, but it could be anywhere from four people, eight people, 12 people. Um, And as long as everybody has a clean bill of health, stays healthy, um, the surgeries all occur on the exact same day. Well, Karen and Rob, we thank you so much for taking a few minutes of your time to tell us your story. We appreciate it. Thanks for having us. It is 9.15. Thanks very much for having us. Thank you very much for joining us live on The Start. Uh, Once again, Rob and Karen Leatham, thank you very much. It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We have tickets to give away for the Flatlanders Beer Festival at Canada Life Centre running June 2nd and 3rd. And we're asking you this morning at 204-780-6868, inspired by Greg's zipline building adventure. That's right, he and his friends built a zipline out at the uh, your buddy's cabin on Saturday. And it didn't go as well as you'd hoped. It took a lot longer. Yeah, Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> oh, it was it a two-day It was a two-dayer. So by the time we got everything, we had to take a break on Saturday. No, nope, frustrated. This isn't going the way we want. We need to take a pause in activities here. It's like a cricket match. Well, a couple yeah. of our runners-up here. Did you have tea? <laughs> mm, there's a letter T Tea-ish? involved. Yeah. Beert? Is it Beert? <laughs> a couple of runners up here before we read our winner. Daryl F. says, every project I do takes way longer than it should. Doesn't matter if I'm building something for fix or fixing something. I get the job done. 
but it's wrong. So I take it apart and I do it again, sometimes two or three times, almost to the point where if I do get it right the first time, <laughs> I feel like I should take it apart because something must be wrong. Oh, I know this feeling. And the worst part is I passed on the defective building slash repair gene onto my son. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get the instructions, but we're already done. Yeah, well. <laughs> uh, Greg, what does James J. have to say as another runner-up? I took on the task of helping my parents with retiling the basement. After months of ripping up and putting down tile, we have decided let's redo the bathroom uh, siding, which took on uh, more weeks. Short story is we started in October and still have half the floor still to rip up. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, Andrea Loren is our winner. She gave us sort of a, a Nintendo Contra spread gun of stories here. And, and uh, Greg and I were n- noting that both of our Hearts were feeling palpitations reading her stressful note. <laughs> I'm struggling to pick just one story. You nailed the topic that defines my life, says Andrea. This weekend, my sister and I finally sorted out the leftover stuff from when my parents moved four years ago. Those 15 boxes will hopefully get out of my basement this weekend. But the feather in my cap of never-ending tasks is my back deck. Oh, Andrea, I hear you. <laughs> my girlfriend and I decided in spring of 2020 that a great COVID project would be to tear out and replace my old rotten deck boards. Keeping the existing base would make it a quick job, right? <laughs> I helped my dad build a few decks when I was young. So how hard could it be, I asked. Anything I needed to learn, I could learn from YouTube. Fast forward three years, I still don't have a step on one end, a completed handrail either. The remnants of building materials are stacked under it, whispering my name every weekend. Who would have thought that the never-ending pandemic would be finished before my simple backyard project? It's easy. Yeah, let's make a deal. Andrea, you finish that deck this summer and I will... Uh, will you stain it for her? <laughs> no, I will not. I will not stain She'll be beside deck. the Caesar stump. Congratulations, <laughs> Andrea.